This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Today, in the middle of the COVID-19 hockey pause, we are going to catch up with a veteran NHL goaltender who's uh, standing by in Detroit, waiting for things to happen, taking care of his uh, two young kids. And a goaltender that you might be surprised is having uh, an incredible year for the only team that's officially eliminated from playoff contention at the pause. It's Jonathan Bernier uh, coming up with a feature interview in just a little bit as we bring in uh, Hutch and Woody and a lot going on. Despite uh, what is happening with social distancing, you don't have to be face-to-face to enjoy all the great content around In Goal Magazine. We have a uh, we have some stuff happening with the uh, a mask review coming up. We've got a mask contest, uh, as well as people are sending in their questions and their uh, their comments about things, and uh, and a webinar also uh, this weekend with uh, Pete Fry, the mind guy at Ingol Premium. Uh, Hutch, you want to run down a couple of things that are happening over at Ingol.com? Oh, you gave me a long checklist, so I'll start at the bottom. The last item on your list was uh, Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy. Uh, Pete is, Pete specializes in mental training for goaltenders. He is a fantastic guy, a fun guy to work with, and he's got a very dedicated group of 30 or 35, uh, goaltenders anywhere from Adam Peewee age, uh, right up to some pros, uh, that get together every afternoon at four fifteen, and they do some training together. And, uh, so we thought it'd be fun if Pete could come to our audience. So all our premium members are going to get an email invitation in the next day or two. Uh, to come and meet with us Saturday afternoon, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, for sort of a guest training session with Pete and a couple of the guys that he works with, just to show you what they're up to and and what it can do for your game. And, uh, and you know, if nothing else, it, it really is a whole lot of fun. Uh, my little guy, I sort of pushed him into it so that he would have something to do during the pause, and he's only missed one session in the last three weeks uh, quite accidentally, and he was really upset that he'd missed it accidentally. So uh, it it really is a lot of fun, as well as as good training. And our own Kevin Woodley promises that he will be on that webinar because he wants to challenge uh, all of these k- young kids because he thinks he's something pretty special on the concentration <laughs> grids. Woody, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. I only wanna- oh no no you you do. And you have, and you will again. Ten, ten by ten. I want ten by tens. None of this. None of this quick five by five crap. I want full ten by tens, just because that's the only one I'm doing. Um, I'm gonna have to break out the iPad. And these kids cheat with their iPads. I got to do it on my computer. It's way faster with your finger versus a mouse. So uh, I think I'm in, you have I'm an in. iPad. I'm in. Um, Beck Warm, Dylan Ferguson, some of the guys who are pros already or soon to be pros. Um, consider consider the gauntlet throwing. You can kick my on Saturday if you join the group. Uh, it's interesting, though, uh, in addition to guys like Beck and Dylan Ferguson, some, some pretty high-end young goaltenders, uh, Hutch mentioned there's, there's more on there. Uh, we've seen a lot of goaltending coaches join, Pete, for these, for these seminars over the past couple of weeks. Uh, American Hockey League, NHL goalie coaches, uh, past NHL goalies who have logged in to see what it's all about and provided, seen some of the good feedback from them on social media. So, uh, the idea, and we've, we've explored this as far back as remember our interview with John Stevenson, where we talked about, you know, goalies want new pads and, and new gloves, but they don't pay attention to their skates often enough. Uh, too often goalies spend so much time, uh, on the ice, focusing on technical aspect that they forget to take care of things like their eyes and their mind. And, 
So this is another example of a way to do it. And I think at a time when goalies can't get on the ice, maybe more of them are finally paying attention to uh, fine-tuning their mental games. And so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this and excited that Pete was kind enough to offer a chance for InGoal Premium members to sort of get a free look at what this is all about. You can join, you can uh, log in and be live and interactive with uh, Pete Fry on Saturday. Uh, failing that, uh, for InGoal Premium members, it will be posted and it will be uh, available for you to watch and uh, and take part in uh, just uh, from, a, from a viewer standpoint uh, on, uh, on InGoal Premium. We also have the uh, Access Mask uh, review that's coming up, uh, Woody. Yeah, Hutch has actually got this one over at his place. So he's been working really? on Yes, he's been working on some photos um, that kind of show off some of the features. That'll be coming up, uh, you know, and then we haven't got a date on it yet. We need to, this, this pause has thrown everything for a loop in terms of uh, when the actual launch dates are going to be for some of these products. But you've probably seen some of the talk out there. I've talked to goalies in the NHL, but I'm wearing this uh, Axis mask now for actually dating back to last season. Um, it's got some sort of new technology and new research behind it in terms of working with uh, University of Ottawa on some concussion, concussion, easy for you to say, concussion research um, and ways to sort of uh, counteract or um, at least help goaltenders protect themselves from impacts, not just puck impact, but um, those crease crashing varieties. So uh, there's some really... It's it'll be interesting to see how Hutch pulls this off to 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 photograph the inside and some of the unique properties um, that they've added to this mask that we've never seen anywhere else in terms of uh, a new way to sort of have it sit on your head and have it move around your head and keep you safe while everything else is maybe moving around and bouncing off your head. So exciting times for goaltenders as more of these companies sort of delve into research uh, that goes outside the traditions we've seen. I think Ryan, it was Ryan Miller that told me a couple of years ago. Masks haven't changed in 40 years, right? So uh, time for some new ideas on how to uh, protect goaltenders uh, using, you know, we've seen it with with new properties, new materials inside the liner to make things a little safer for the guys out there and girls. Yeah, and the the foam appears to be the where the cutting edge and real advancement has been taking place, Hutch. Uh, the foams, but I think you're going to find in the CCM one, they've done something a little bit different on the inside. So it's integrated with the foams, but they've got uh, a new technology in there. I'm not sure, Kevin, we're allowed to say too much just yet, but, uh, but we will be, be demonstrating this new, it's a little, uh, idea of sort of separating the foam and, uh, hmm. and cart provides a little comfort, a little rotational support when there's a, when there's okay. an impact and we'll, we'll just sort of leave it at that little tease, little tease. All so right. It's along those lines, but not exactly the foams. And on the subject of masks and coming soon, we're on the home stretch of the Ingol Mask Contest, uh, where we've invited you to design uh, your masks. And, uh, and this has been a big success, Woody. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. Um, this was never intended to be a contest where we'd have prizing. Uh, so shout out to the people that stepped up, uh, both the mask painters uh, and everyone involved to turn this into a contest with prizing. We ended up, it was just, a, it was an idea, some coloring stencils to give kids something to do uh, as they were stuck at home, particularly over spring break before some of the online classes got back in. And it's just taken off. Some of the response we had, uh, some of my favorites um, are just from parents that are like, you know, he's done like four or five of them now. Just the, not as a time kill exercise, but just how into it these kids got and some of the stories that parents shared with us. Uh, in some cases, entire families submitting their entries. 
Uh, there'd be like a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 13-year-old, and both parents sending us in their contest entry. So we're getting close. We've, we've got it down to the five finalists, and I have a panel of celebrity judges. I'm waiting on one more judge, but for now, um, hopefully we'll have this in the next day or so. But right now, the judges include Eddie Lack, Roberto Luongo, and one Carter Hart. So little flex on the guys we have uh, judging. I got one more that should come in here. Um, I consider that a pretty good... Uh, not not a bad not a bad uh, not a bad panel celebrity judges. panel boys. Yeah. Not bad not bad at all. So okay, I know who, who was it again? You kind of just rattled those names off. Eddie Lack, yes, Robert, Roberto Luongo, future Hall of Famer, okay. and yeah. probably you know the, arguably the top young goaltender in hockey, Carter Hart. Cat hat. Okay. So we got uh, <laughs> we got three pretty good names and uh, one more in the queue. I'm just waiting to hear back from to be our fourth. Um, mix it all up, and like I said, we pick the five finalists. They're going to pick winners in each category. And I know people have been waiting. I'm getting messages on Instagram every day. When's the announcement coming? It's coming soon. We're just going to hopefully, like I said, by Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, have it totally done. Quick, uh, cu- quick, couple shut- quick couple shout outs on that. Um, the, I think the templates, if I'm not wrong, Kevin, were first posted online by uh, one of the best Twitter handles I've ever heard, Essence's Blocker. And yes. uh, po- post, he often posts some sort of fun little activities and, and really a good follow. So. So hop on that. And then our own Paul Campbell uh, reached out to him and asked if it would be okay to share those amongst the in-goal in crowd as a bit of a contest. So, so between Essence's blocker and Paul Campbell, uh, Paul is way to go Paul on Twitter. And, uh, and they got it going. And Kevin, am I forgetting anybody here? Well, no, and this was me stumbling earlier because I didn't have the page up as we started because I'm not that bright. But the guy who you know, they deserve all the credit for starting it. The guy who turned it into a really big contest is actually in goal reader, Brian Dempsey, who is at BD, Brian Dempsey, BD goalie on Twitter. Uh, He actually coaches NCAA Div 3. And he was the one that stepped up and said, hey, let's make this a contest. I will um, chip in by buying some masks and contributing through some of the relationships he has with painters um, through school at Aurora University in the NCAA Division 3. Uh, art. And then we reached out to uh, Gameface Graphics, who recently did the wrap for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jack Campbell, as well as some special edition maps for the Marlies or wraps for the Marlies goalies. Uh, and he he stepped up or they stepped up as well for a wrap for the under eight category. So, um, you know, Bob, uh, the Bob, the Essences, Essences Blocker account for the idea with the template. Paul for making it a coloring contest that everybody could get involved with at Ingle, and then Brian Dempsey big time for stepping up and, and turning it into something that, that actually had prizes and probably sparked the interest level even further and forced us to actually do a, uh, make sure we were being fair and really taking our time with this judging process as well, because there's, there's something on the line here, prizes at every age, age category. His submissions have been fantastic. Uh, this is the first time uh, that we've been uh, this early in a show that we've had a wrap. Uh, but, uh, but that's the, that's, that's the art of, uh, sitting in this, uh, in this pause right now. Uh, so we'll use our minds and we'll, uh, we'll twist from the webinar and the mask contest and the mask, uh, review that's coming and go into our feature interview and tee it up with Jonathan Bernier and Hutch, uh, you had a chance to, uh, speak with the, uh, the Detroit Red Wing goaltender who started his career, uh, with high expectations in Los Angeles, went to Toronto to be the number one guy. And uh, and went out of Toronto wondering whether or not, at least this is from the hockey world, 
uh, his career uh, was going to uh, fade away, and it hasn't. And people in Toronto that uh, watched him play there will be surprised to know that uh, his stops in Anaheim, Colorado, and Detroit, and I know Detroit hasn't had a great year, but uh, Bernier's individual numbers, very good compared to uh, to uh, what you'd expect. Uh, those stops in with the Ducks, the Avalanche, and Detroit have been very, very solid. Yeah, it was uh, great to catch up with Jonathan this week, and and our thanks to Coach Marco Marciano, who's uh, he's been a friend of ours for several years now, and he is the guy who connected us with Jonathan. Marco um, works with Jonathan, has worked with him since uh, the early days of high school in Laval, a suburb of Montreal, and uh, he connected us with Jonathan, and we had a fantastic chat both uh, before, during the interview, and even... Uh, fired a few text messages to me afterwards because he wanted to clarify a couple of points um, from the interview as well. Uh, I, I gained a real appreciation for um, his skill as a goaltender, both through um, that conversation. And in fact, later, uh, Marco and I sat down and went over some video and we've already posted the first of those drills uh, over at InGoal Premium, where he's Mark, uh, Marco was taking Jonathan through um, you know a fairly basic skating drill. But uh, looking at some really important details that uh, every one of us can take. And, uh, and it's, it, it was an interesting article for me to put together because there's a professional goaltender in the summer doing the very same skating drills that uh, five, six, seven-year-olds are doing. And it's not because they're demonstrating for us. It's just something that he does as part of his routine. So the attention to detail uh, in his game, and it comes out in the interview, I think, as is, is well, Darren, um, just some, some really important things that, that I found very interesting, uh, to talk to him about. And it was great of him to be, uh, so giving of his time. And in fact, I think we might even be catching up with him in the next week or two for, for some pro reads as well. So hopefully an ongoing relationship with goal. And for goaltenders, uh, this is a really key one for you to listen to. It covers a uh, preparation leading up to your performance, uh, what you lean on. Uh, during the course of a game and then afterwards, uh, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, how Jonathan Bernier handles uh, the game performance before turning the page and getting ready for the next day. It's In Goal Radio, the podcast, our feature interview, Jonathan Bernier with David Hutchison. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks for joining us. How are you? How are you uh, enjoying this unexpected extra time away from the rink? Uh, trying to keep the kids busy. Uh, obviously, like everyone else, uh, homeschooling and and uh, trying to get my my workout in, in the morning. So uh, I actually just order. Um, usually, I have a tennis uh, machine at uh, at my cottage, but I uh, just ordered another one. So just kind of waiting on that and trying to stay in shape, trying to keep my ref- reflexes. Um, hopefully we can back, be back on the ice soon. Marco really likes his tennis ball machine. Yeah, he does. <laughs> for those who aren't familiar, Marco Marciano is the Canadian's AHL goaltending coach, and you've worked with him for how long? Uh, since I'm first year in high school. So it's been, uh, it's been a long time, and we kind of started this uh, hockey prog- program in the uh, back in Laval and uh, that's how I met him and we just kept working together since uh, I was 13, 14 years old. And I know he loves fine-tuning technique by using the <laughs> he, tennis ball machine, doesn't he? He does, but you know, uh, you know, I think you get to adjust um, 
somehow. And, you know, I see those kids now doing a lot of reverse VH and, and being on their butterfly a lot. And that just put a lot of stress on your, on your joints and hips. And, um, you know, if you can find a way to not be on the ice all the time and, and I, I think that's a good way with the tennis ball is keep your ref- reflexes and, you know, you can actually do a lot of repetition that you'll, you'll find that you're making the right movement all the time instead of sometimes on the ice you're, you're kind of rushing to make saves. And I just find that it helps me to just be more, more in control a little bit. I wasn't planning on talking about tennis ball machines when we started, but <laughs> as long as we are, do you have any tips for kids who are working at home today doing, doing work with tennis balls or lacrosse balls? I mean, the biggest thing for me is kind of like leaning into pucks, you know, so you're, you know, you're shifting your, your body into the, the ball instead of kind of like just going with your body, your, your hands. Um, I think that's something that in this season, it's it's so hard to maintenance because you, you don't practice enough. You just play games pretty much. And um, for me, it's, it, you know, not being a big goalie, uh, the more I lean into puck, you know, the easiest save, you know, the easiest the save will be and I don't have to reach as much. You know, as you bring up your height, um, six feet tall listed at and you were drafted 11th overall, a, a tremendous accomplishment. And uh, you've had a great career at that size when you know today one of your former teams won't even let a scout file a report on a goaltender who is less than six I foot know. three um remarkable well i've heard yeah that's uh that's the new nhl is the you know i feel like i've probably not if i'm not the last one one of the last one to you know be in the nhl or got drafted at 511 you know but it used to be when i got drafted you had so many good goalies, 5'11", 5'10", you know, Jose Theodore, I can name a bunch, but I just, you know, uh, and then some guys came in the league with 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", and they thought that was the right size. But from what I heard, you know, they're kind of trying to cut back a little bit, like a 6'2", 6'3", is kind of like a, a really good size because, you know, you're kind of in between 6'6", six, six, your 5 is is way bigger. And by the time you get on the ice and your arms, everything is is, um, is different. And, and for me, it's the same thing. You know, like I got to play a different way than a guy that is 6'6", six, six, right? But um, to be honest, I, I don't think there's a perfect size. You know, it, they, they say it the perfect way is just stop the puck. So you just got to find a way to do it. Yeah, well done. <laughs> It's uh, it sure is nice to see some smaller guys getting more of an opportunity these days. Yeah. But, but what what do you think has let you be so successful at your size? Work. To be honest, I've worked so hard my my whole career. Even when I was, you know, when I started to work with Marco, fourteen, fifteen, when I saw that, you know, I was going to be able maybe to get drafted junior, and then you know, and then you see you, you do have potential. Um, and you know, I think the biggest thing for me is my, you know, when I read the game, the, the way I read the game, the way I position myself, um, you know, obviously if, if you're 6'4", you can be a little deeper and you can make mistake that it might hit you. For me, I need to make sure that I'm on top of my game, that I'm seeing the play develop, I'm reading a play ahead, and I got to be in a good position for that. Do you have any cues that you'll say to yourself on the ice that helps you stay on top of your game? Yeah. Um, 
you know, the three things that I'll focus before a game will be um, my set. So I need to have my feet set. And sometimes we forget about that. You think, oh, the guy's in the slot and you try to kind of gain some ice. And, and most of the time you'll get beat by doing that. I think if you're set, you have a better chance. Even if you're a little deeper, you can't get as much ice. You'll have a better chance to, to stop it. Um, and then square is another one where, you know, sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes there's a screen, but if you're square to the puck, it might, it might just hit you. So I think it's just, to me, it's just being, you know, most, most of the game. And I'd say, you know, 99% of the time I'm over 90% on those two, you know, those, that those are the things that I focus on. So sometimes when you're not winning, you can look back on your game and say, okay, well, you know, I wasn't, you know, the result wasn't there, but at least, you know, my game was there, even though we didn't win, you know. Um, and then the other one would be uh, uh, rebound control, you know. So those are kind of three that I try to focus on. And just to keep it simple, because sometimes you just, you know, when you're on a, if mentally you're you're weak during that, that period of time, you're not feeling confident or anything like that, then, you have those those two or those three points that you can just focus on and not worry about anything else. And are those technical points that you just revisit before the game, or is it something that you'll maybe even think about while you're on the ice? Uh, before the game and even during game, um, you know, for me to, to, to beat the pass, um, I'll, I'll continue to say it to myself during games um, and, and being patient. You know, those are really the two words that I'll, I'll keep reminding myself. You know, if you beat the past, then you can be patient. Can be all those things actually fold on into being set and square. You know, so uh, definitely my number one is is beat the past and read the play. So always your head on the swivel, see what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I, looking back because it seems like it's been forever. I haven't played, but yeah. Like those, those two things is looking, you know, awareness, I guess, like ice awareness and seeing where everyone is. I think that helps you to, you know, realize where the players are, if he's a lefty, righty, if, you know, can be a potential one-timer or not and beat the pass. Those are, are really the two dream games that I'll, I'll say to myself. I know we talked about sitting down and doing some pro reads together where you'll walk us through some of your saves. Yeah. And interestingly, one of the first examples that I pulled up uh, illustrates exactly what you're talking about. Fairly routine situation, but you beat the pass, you get your feet set, and then you make a clean save. And and so those cues really are important in the game today, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And and like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge guy, so uh, to me, the patient part comes to be on my feet as long as possible. And I think a lot of young goalies now. Um, you know, they drop, drop right away. And I think that's such a big advantage. If you can stay on your feet and you're set and square, then you can drop. And most of the time it's just going to hit you, you know, because if you look at the, you know, a camera view from the puck to, to the net, there's actually not much net if you're actually in a great position. Right. So, and, and, you know, we got to be honest, sometimes there's uh, um, great shooters and, and, 
you know, they'll, they'll pick the spot. And, and if they do, then you're like, okay, well, I made, I made him take his best shot, you know? So, uh, but you, you do like, for me, when I know I'm on my game is I'm a, I'm on my feet as long as possible. Jonathan, you seem to have a really mature approach to evaluating your game, you know, evaluating process rather than results. And I'm curious to know, has it always been that way? Uh, you, you began your career in Los Angeles and had a lot of success early on before having to move on to what's essentially a rebuilding team in Toronto. And uh, yeah. were, were you ready for that? Were, had, did you have that skill? No, I didn't actually. Uh, I, I think junior, my junior career was um, pretty easy in a way. You know, I had some downs with Team Canada where I didn't didn't play much or things like that, but that never affected me mentally. Um, so I, I didn't really went through a lot of downs junior. And then when I went pro, um, Jonathan Quick got called up. Um, that was, so I played 19, at 19, I played four, uh, maybe eight games or not even maybe five games. I'm not even sure to be honest in the NHL and then got sent down junior uh and then after that I went to the AHL at 20 years old and midway through the season Jonathan Quick got called up and I was like oh my god so that was like really my first challenge in my career and had many of those uh through all my career but I felt like I kind of struggled and then my second year pro in the A really had a good year one goal of the year and then got brought up with the LA Kings um Looking back, I wish I would have probably stayed in the minor and played more games because I felt like my three years with the Kings, obviously winning the cup was, the, you know, my favorite oh, moment sure. as a hockey player, right? Um, but on the long run, you're like, on the big picture, you know, if I would have stayed maybe down or or get traded to a team where, you know, they need a number one goalie, I think, I would have had a, a better career, to be honest. And I lost a lot of confidence being in L.A., was playing 20 games a season, 25 games. And, and then you, fo- you, you forget how, to, you know, how you, you prepare every night to play a game. And I lost that. And then when I went to Toronto, first year did pretty good. And then we started to trade a lot of guys, kind of went through a rebuild, like you mentioned. And I was still young mentally to be in a big market like this um, and going through a rebuild. So I took it really hard. And, and I think that's why this year I had a lot more success because I was focusing on my, on my own thing instead of focusing on, on the result, the end result by winning or losing, right? And I think if I would have done that in Toronto, probably maybe would have still been there and and you know, who knows, but you know, that's, that's when we say experiences, you just got to live it. And, and, um, you know, and I went through it and with Marco, uh, we talked a, a lot about it last year and this year too, is just the, even with my goalie coach, uh, Jeff here is, it's just to focus on, on my own thing and not focusing on, on, on the end result. And, and it turned out to, to be the right answer. Tough lessons to learn, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yep. Because sometimes as a goalie, you only have one shot, right? And and then if you don't take it, then they think, oh, you know, you can't be a number one or, you know, 
but you know it is what it is you can't look back and i've never looked back obviously uh when i got traded at anaheim was you know lack of confidence a little bit my first half of the season um but then when gibson got hurt took over and we finished uh um first in in our division and you know had a, a great second half and then had a great year in colorado made the playoff um went on the run i think 10 in a row so um, I think you just learn from that. Obviously, it's not easy when you're in the moment. You, you always want to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it's further than 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 what you hope, right? Um, but definitely, when I was in Toronto, that was a, a long tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, under a big microscope. <laughs> yeah. To use your words, things may have come a little easily in junior, and I wonder was it the same in minor hockey and. Because often we see kids on really strong teams uh, do very well. And I wonder, though, as they move on, is that a bit of a disadvantage? Yeah. I, I mean, from what I remember, we always, most of the years, we had two uh, two teams in, in my city, in Laval. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably should have been one one team, but we had two. So we weren't great. So I was getting 40 shots, 45 shots a night, which it was probably the best thing for my, my development. Right. Yeah. Um, so I did go through some downs obviously as a young kid, but I think it's more, you start realizing those down when the pressure builds up, you know, when, you know, you're playing big tournament, um, like even I played in big tournament when I was, you know, 14, 13 years old, but it just, it didn't don't stick in your head. I feel like once you become 17, 19, 20 years old that's when those bad memories might come back in your head and that's why you need your clues during games to to stay focused during the game and stay positive stay confident jonathan i'm curious to know a little bit about evaluating your games and i know we were talking about how you like to focus on process over results uh you know a really great way of looking at things and i think great advice for kids too but in terms of you know formally evaluating it, I, I'm curious to know a little bit more about that process. Uh, when is the first time you sit down with your goaltending coach after a game? When are you reviewing film and so on? Because, I mean, your game's finished late at night. You've got media responsibilities. Uh, obviously, you're not going to be sitting down for a long chat with your coach right after the game. What, what's this look like? Uh, usually after games, um, you know, goalie coach might come up and, you know, if you play a bad game, there's not much to say, right? So yeah, you, we don't need to be told you, that. You, def- you definitely know. Everyone knows in the building, so you don't need the, your goalie coach to come up to you. Uh, but personally, I watch all my clips before I go to bed. So the team will send me um, will send me all the shots I receive, touches behind the net. So every time I touch a puck, they'll they'll send me all those clips. So I'll watch that before I go to bed. And it just helps me. Even if I had a good, great game or bad game, then the next morning is a new day. Um, and then obviously when you play every other day, it's so hard sometimes to sit down with your goalie coach and watch every single clip. So uh, he might pull up four or five good clips that I've been doing because I, I, I do think that you need to, to see a lot more positive than negative. Obviously, you know what you did wrong, so you don't really need to see it again. Perfect. Obviously, if it becomes something that you're doing 
two, three, four games in a row, you know, it could be a screen that maybe you're not looking upright or you you need to look lower or things like that. Then you might, you know, your goalie coach might step up and say, look, I think if you do this this way, you might, you know, might give yourself a better chance to stop it. You know, we usually start these interviews talking about minor hockey and where it all began for you. <laughs> uh, but we went down a couple of rabbit holes and that was fun. That's fine. So you began your minor hockey days in Laval, just north of Montreal. And, uh, but you know, what I found interesting when I was doing a bit of research was that the first goal you gave up in the Quebec Major Junior <laughs> League was to your brother. Yeah. Uh, actually, my, so funny story. So I was 16 years old and Yaroslav Halak was my, uh, the, my partner in Lewiston. And uh, he was uh, from Europe, didn't get his visa in time. And the first game that we're playing against is in Halifax against my brother. And uh, sure enough, it's actually, I stopped like a partial breakaway and he got the rebound and scored. Oh, so I was that's like, just are, not you, fair. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he gave me uh he gave me the puck for Christmas time, no. uh, Christmas uh, as a, as a present. <laughs> that's awesome. But, but they went, uh, funny story, they went to the final a bunch of time and never made it to the, uh, to the uh, not Spangler Cup, sorry, but the uh, Memorial Cup. Uh, junior F- Memorial Cup. And uh, so when we, won, uh, we won, won the cup, I sent him a picture of me with the cup as a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that, that breakaway from your brother, um, you know, whether it ended up a save or a goal, is that sort of a scene that had been repeated more than a thousand times in the driveway growing up? <laughs> Probably. And he, I mean, he, he, sh- he sure did have a, a great shot. Um, you know, probably those hours and hours in the basement or in the street and, um, me and him playing against each other, me as a goalie, him as a board. I didn't really pick, to be honest, to be a goalie. He really, he insisted that I was a, a goalie. So I didn't have much choice. <laughs> That's a very common Turned story. Turned out good, though. <laughs> sure did. It's so, so awesome Great that you, that you could end, end up facing, facing each other, other in the queue. Yeah, yeah I was, yeah, was surreal almost. Yeah. Uh, parents on the stand, in the stands and you know, then he scored the goal. Do they cheer? Do they not, not cheer? You know, it's kind of like, a, I'm sure it was a, a weird feeling for them. Uh, it's tough for parents. And uh, so you have two sons now. And, yep. uh, you know, one, I have to say one of the cutest photos I've ever seen in hockey is is one of your sons in the Anaheim dressing room wearing your helmet and yeah. gloves. And uh, so I have to ask, would you like them to be goaltenders one day? Uh, he's going to be almost six, and I have to admit, I, I don't think I have any choice. Uh, every day. Oh, so he's a goaltender already. Yeah, every day is goalie year, and now being home, we play outside uh, for hours and hours, and he's the goalie. So uh, I didn't want to, but at the same time, you know, as a parent, you just, you know, as long as he's happy and he loves it, that's that's where you, you know, you go for so having been through it yourself, and I mean, I know he's only six, but you must have thought about how you want to support his development. So I'm curious, do you, uh, are you going to be technical with him? Are you just going to let him go out there and play? Is there going to be a bit of a balance between the two? Um, how do you see yourself as a coach? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I, I think you need to, you know, you, you can't, as a young kid, for me, I feel like that, 
you you just need to let him enjoy and i think you, you can give them little tips but they need to have fun on the ice and they need to enjoy and and even if it's a old school save and they feel good about it that's great you know i think at the end of the day it's just how to stop puck and 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 yes you know i want to help him and obviously he's still young maybe when he's older i'll maybe be more involved and uh, but he took a few lessons with the goalie coach at, uh, with his, uh, with his uh, hockey club in Birmingham. And, you know, I don't want to be too much involved at that age. I just feel like we need to have a big smile on and just have fun. That's great. Will you, uh, will you be the quiet dad on the glass or are you going to be up with all the I other think parents? so. No, I am the quiet one. <laughs> <laughs> so when you grew up in Laval, who were your goaltending heroes? Uh, Patrick Roy and uh, brother for sure. Yeah. Um, even you know, play was lucky to play against Longo and and Theodore, and those were even probably as I got older, I watched a lot more hockey than when I was younger. So, uh, um, you know, played against brother in the final too. That was pretty special. So all those guys uh, didn't get to play against Patrick, but you know, guys that I grew up watching and played against them that those became really my, my favorite guys, you know. Do you have any great memories from meeting pros when you were a kid? I actually have a pretty cool photo. I was probably about 10, 10 years old maybe and one side I have Boudreau, Luongo and two other. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's a pretty cool picture. I have it up on my wall here but um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool uh, Pretty cool memory to have, especially playing against those guys. How did you meet them? Uh, I was at hockey school, and they came and signed hats and things like that for the, for the goalies. So you must enjoy being able to do the same for other kids. Now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I try to do it as much as I can. My my hometown uh, in Laval, and um, yeah, you just you just never know, right? And if you can put a smile on a kid's face, that's uh, that's the best reward. And it lasts forever. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it does. So you're home with your family now. Yep. And that has me thinking, you know, life must be really different uh, in the NHL once you start having a family. I mean, you get drafted and get your first taste of action as a young kid, sort of 20 years old. Life is easy. and uh, But then you have a family and your responsibilities change quite a bit, don't they? Yeah, definitely. But to be honest, I think for me, it kind of... You know, the first year was hard with my first uh, first kid, and it's a huge adjustment. And um, but I just think like that you go to the rink and you do your job, and then when you get home, it's easier to not think too much about hockey and just have fun with your kids and your wife. And um, I remember being when I was in LA, younger, my wife was with me, but it's like. It felt like I was thinking about hockey all the time, all the time. And and uh, having kids, it just changes. And you really appreciate, um, you know, what you do. And obviously, my son now is, you know, Tyler's older. He's almost six, like I mentioned. But he loves watching games and coming in the locker room. And it just it, it makes it almost, like, easier and not as, as much pressure in a way. You can forget the game at home uh, when you're there with your family until the wings send you every clip of every touch from <laughs> that game true. that night. 
<laughs> Maybe you and your son can sit down and go through those clips together for a little teaching. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that'd be good. Act, a good teaching moment. Very lucky to be able to do pro reads with daddy. What do you like to do when you're away from the rink other than family? Uh, what do you do to get your mind off the game? Uh, and I may season. have done a little research and seen a photo of you getting a helicopter pilot's license. Yeah, that's those are more like summer hobbies. You know, I, I love boating, surfing, helicopter, obviously. But during the season, I'm really focused. I, you know, even when we'll watch TV, I'll stretch and I'll, I'll foam roller. And I feel like I'm a two two different person you know i i love to have fun in the summer workout still but i'll do a lot more stuff and once the season start i kind of shut down everything and i just really focused on you know taking care of my body and and make sure that i'm ready every day and here we are not sure if it's summertime or in season or uh, what we should be doing yeah yeah that's true it's it's kind of tough i think you you know i've been trying to stretch as much as possible bike um a little bit of yoga and that's i i think especially for a goalie i think you know that's the most important even if we get back um you know soon hopefully but if we do get back you know conditioning will come back you know in two or three days where you know i feel like if i don't stretch that's something that i'll lose and it's going to take a lot more time for me to recover from that is this all on your own or is the team sending you workouts to be doing while we're on this pause? Uh, the, yeah, the team does, uh, they, they have sent me some stuff uh, to do for, you know, hip recovery, groin stuff. And and uh, I actually think, you know, as much as everyone is, is sad about it, but for a lot of hockey guys or any sports, you can really actually gain a lot of stuff by, like I've been doing exercise every day for my hips and my groins to try to reinforce them. Right. Uh, instead of going into right to the lifting heavy weights right away where we, you know, usually we do. So I feel like I got an extra month right now to kind of work on a little issue that I've been carrying on maybe for a couple or three years, you know? Um, so it's, to me, it's a good timing right now to just kind of take your body and, and do other stuff and, and just going in the gym and, and really, um, you know, push yourself, you know, in a way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, much like an active recovery time is really important after a season, isn't it? Exactly. So just looking back to the season a little bit, um, you've had a fantastic year. I think NHL.com had a little poll at the pause and, and their writers voted you as the, uh, the team MVP so far this season, which has got to make you really happy. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, I was just going to ask, you know, um, what, what's your development look like over the last few years? I mean, what's helped you get to the point where, you, uh, you know, you're feeling so good about your game, I hope. And, and uh, what have you been working on the last two or three years? Actually, I do have, uh, I believe that even in Colorado, my game changed a lot by, uh, we, I worked so hard on the, uh, my reverse VH. Couldn't do that before. And I think older play, older goalies, it wasn't something that we grew up with. So I've, I've worked so many hours with UC drills after drills and felt really comfortable by, you know, maybe a month or two after the season started. And I felt like that really changed my game. 
and uh, kind of brought that in with with uh, Jeff, and we kept working on that because I he knew well. I told him that that's something that we need to to work on, but obviously, it's like I mentioned earlier, you don't want to overdo it because of your hip, and mm. it puts a lot puts a lot of stress on it. But um, and then this year was really just I think all the work I put in and 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 my points, you know, of saying that. I shouldn't focus on winning and losing. It just obviously I knew what the situation was with the team. Um, and I just wanted for myself to just compete every night and do my, you know, set square and, and you know, just give myself the best chance to, to, to succeed and, and give my team the best chance to win. So I think it, you know, I didn't really overthink. I just kind of went out and, and, focus on like I said my my only three points and that's it and it, it turned out to be a good year uh, what's changed about the reverse VH I mean I know at one point you were sort of more skate on post and you, you've moved to more toe box on post yeah um, well first I was like all over the place <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when I started uh, obviously growing up it was uh, it was just a VH you know we didn't I never really used reverse VH and then I would see guys using it but didn't know really how to do it so um rick sanqua in toronto was you know a great great goalie coach but you know he's old school kind of yeah not um, a reverse vh guy uh great guy no exactly so you know uh so you really need a guy that comes in has the technique to show you how to do it and i never really did so um so with UC, I, I thought he was incredible at it and how to teach it and, and the drills that we were doing just got me more comfortable and more comfortable. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I always try to do the, um, you know, in between the toes and the blade. Yeah. I feel like that's when you seal the best. And uh, it, it will happen. Sometimes you just hit the, the blade and that's the way it is. But uh, I really try to do it in between. I just feel like, you know, you, rarely I'll get the squeeze in there, you know, a puck that will go through. But I feel like if you put your blade, especially now with the skates being, the the, the blade being a lot higher yes. now, that you have a lot more room there. So, um, and to be honest, my, I, I think if I would teach, it'd be, you either put your pads in when you think you, you're a little late or, the, you know, the Tuca because boot break. Yeah. Kind of like the Tuca, right? Uh, cause that will seal your posts completely and you won't get a short side where if you put your blade because you're late, then you, you know, you might get one up there. The RVH might be a place where the smaller goaltender has an advantage, you know, without those long limbs making big holes. Definitely. You know, I think you're, your hip, I mean, I feel when I'm doing it, my hip is almost to the post. You know, where yeah. when I see Bish, Bish doing it, you know, there's a lot more room. And another goalie like Pekka is, is really, really flexible, but he's still going to get B once in a while. And I think one of the best is Vazzy, but I mean, he's, uh, I don't know how he does it with his hip. So, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's one of a kind, isn't he? 
Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk today. I know the two of us could probably sit here and talk goaltending for yeah. hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we have the time on the break here. Um, but I just want to thank you um, again, because I know our, our listeners are going to get a ton out of this conversation. My pleasure. My pleasure. That was great. I've always found him to be a really interesting interview where you don't get a lot of cliches and uh, and watching him come up as a top prospect uh, with the Los Angeles Kings and then uh, working his way through his career with stops in Toronto, Anaheim, Colorado, and now Detroit. And the numbers, guys, in Detroit, the Red Wings at the pause have 17 wins. Jonathan Bernier has 15 of them and uh, is minus five when it comes to 500. On the only team that's eliminated from the National Hockey League playoffs at the pause, he's only seven games under 500. Uh, that is, like on a, on a team that's having a horrendous year, those are pretty good numbers, Woody. Yeah, I know. And, and you mentioned it before. I think it gets lost. Like 2016-17 in Anaheim, um, they run in, you know, he, he basically gets that team to the playoffs. Has a 9-15, mm-hmm. gets the Ducks into the playoffs. I think it was Gibson that went down that year. Next year in Colorado, Varlamov gets hurt 2017-18. He gets the avalanche into the playoffs with the 9-13 save percentage. I mean, he's got a career 9-13. A lot of people, you know, on this side of the border remember him for his time in Toronto, the three years there, uh, and seem to somehow forget he started the first of those three seasons with a 9-23. Like, he's he's a really good goaltender. And I've always been kind of a fan. Bernier is one of those guys that started this around the same time I did. Uh, his, yeah, I was working for Goalie News that had just gotten going. I actually found some old pictures of him in the queue as part of a Q&A I did with him at the Memorial Cup. And then the next year, his draft year was actually here in Vancouver, um, a draft that I covered for the Associated Press. So got to talk to him there. And then on through his time with the Kings, I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about he maybe would have been better off uh, spending more time in the American Hockey League. Uh, rather than getting called up and playing as few games as he did with the Kings or getting to an organization where he could have played more games. I think that's, you listen to that quote, and you think all the teams that face that decision with a good mm-hmm. up-and-coming goaltender, do we, you know, hey, he's not going to get to play here. Do we bring him up now? And I think a lot of teams have found a better balance by sending guys back and forth as long as they can in terms of not clearing waivers. Let's let's keep him up here as a backup, let him learn the ropes, but also send him down for games played. Um, so it was interesting to hear that answer. And uh, even in Toronto, like I, I, I've had the pleasure of actually being on the ice with him going into his first season in Toronto with a consultant uh, and that then leaves, still leaves uh, goalie coach Steve Briere. And so I've sort of seen Jonathan at work um, and I thought it was great on Ingle Premium where Hutch was on the phone with Marciano talking about the details that go into Bernier's game. Having seen that myself firsthand, like he's just, you get it in the interview too. Like this is the level it takes to succeed at the National Hockey League, that type of attention to detail. And every time I've met or talked to him, that's what shines through to me is that he pays attention to those details to that degree, to that level. And that's one of the reasons he's had this success. I, I find it funny that he said as a five foot eleven goaltender, because of course he's always listed at six mm-hmm. foot. And as a guy who is Hutch's son is happy to point out now sub six foot myself, <laughs> thanks to a back surgery. I know I am taller than Joe. And so when I see him listed at six foot, I'm just like, no way. So it's cool to hear him say 5'11". And a guy who a couple of years ago told me, he probably doesn't get drafted now. Forget first round 11th overall. 
he probably does not get drafted at all in today's NHL at sub six foot. Yeah, I love seeing a guy at his size play so well. I'm always rooting for the, dare I say, undersized goaltender. Um, I I just was really impressed. I mean, we started this whole podcast talking about mindset, and uh, and I think Jonathan has the mindset uh, that backs up that success. I just love the maturity. I love the way that he's evolved over his career, and uh, and as we talked about in there, um, putting process ahead of results. And it's the only way you can be that successful uh, in a season that he's he's been through. So that ability is it's just a great lesson for goaltenders of all ages. That ability to to look at your game, to look at every one of those highlights as he does on the iPad after every game, and to judge for yourself is is there something I could have done differently? Is there something I would have done differently? And often the answer is no. And and sometimes you just have to wear the results that that go with a strong performance. Um, I I just love meeting Jonathan for that reason above all. What I enjoyed uh, was uh, he talked about his foundation, set the feet, Mm -hmm. uh, be square to the puck, and uh, really keep it simple when you're focused on your rebound control. But kind of glossed over, but I'm glad he mentioned it. He considers this part of the game a skill. And really important to him, because he's an undersized goaltender, is the fact that he has to pay close attention and concentrate and... uh, and be mindful of this is reading the game and seeing a play develop. And he considers that a, 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 a skill right along with the, with the with physical attributes. Yeah. And I, I, I should add that I mentioned before that, that we texted afterwards and it's because he followed up and he said, you know, his three things, he'd actually missed one and misread it. And, and one of them is actually tracking. So it was square set and tracking the puck. Um, and I think both of us were maybe a little off at, at points during that, I have to say, um, I had a little bit of a technical glitch that left me sort of scrambling as we were going through the interview. And, uh, and to be honest, I think Jonathan wasn't necessarily quite prepared for us to just be diving into technical details of goaltending. Um, when we first talked and set this all up and I mentioned to him what pro reads were and our interest in doing that, um, we, we met on some common ground very quickly because I think he expected we would sort of be a goalie fan site. And that we just want him to look at the best saves he'd ever made in terms of oh. highlight reel saves, you know? And he said, you know, some of the best saves uh, are the ones that look so simple. And Kevin, you had a similar experience this week with Carter Hart. And, and I said, no, no, actually, that's exactly the kind of thing that we want to do. So, um, so then I, I think we both had to recover from those moments. And, and so I, I loved that he wanted to follow up afterwards and make sure that, that we got the story straight about his keys. You know that Woody's just like beside himself with uh, excitement right now that you had technical issues and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, dads do that every now and then, don't we? Um, <laughs> but but as I said, he he really liked the idea of having a simple save as being one of his better ones. And and Woody, you had a similar conversation this week, didn't you? Yeah, when I had Carter on for pro rates, we spent an hour going over video, and I think there's one point, Hutch, you would, it was you would hilarious. know this, of course, because you're Can we editing. play that clip here now, maybe uh, even? We, we should. Like, well, I'll let we you should find insert the clip. It. We'll play it. And he basically, yeah, we'll let that run here. Is this all glove saves, or what is this? Some of my favorite saves are, are the ones that, uh, look the easiest. <laughs> and so that is basically Carter because all, all these saves were leading to 
him catching pucks and glove saves. And he, he, as he said, like the saves, and that's the whole idea of pro reads. Darren, you said it. What I would, you loved about Bernier was the fact that he identifies that ability to read the game as a skill. And I do think that um, as we teach kids technical aspects of the game at a very young age, I think that reading the game is a skill that can be taught and developed like other skills. Too often, we end up doing too many goalie drills where there is no read involved. They know where that... We had this with Carter Hutton a couple of years ago. Where yeah, we talked option about it. drills. Yeah, where, where they knew exactly... The goalies look great because they know exactly where that final puck is coming from and who's shooting it. And they're going to shoot it into this pad. And it's all so controlled that we lose that dynamic element. And that's why Carter Hutton years ago told us he wanted some, you know, some a little bit of that dynamic element, that decision-making process worked into his drills as a goalie. And I think at a young age, sometimes we lose that. And that's the idea of pro reads. See the elements that NHL goalies are looking at to determine their reads. And it's funny that it's easy to find the highlights that end up with a highlight reel save. But most goalies, as Carter Hart said, as Jonathan said, the best saves are the one that hit you in the chest because of all the reads and all the movement that went into getting you there to give that guy no chance. And so it's sometimes it's hard for us to find those clips in pro reads. I actually uh, sent Carter a text back and he's going to see if he can find some clips that he liked where the end save is boring, but he knows how good that read was that made that a boring end save. So we can share that with more people because I think I I really do think there's a benefit there for young goalies to see that and see the detail that goes into these guys' reads. It's become not a lost art form, um, but I think it can be a difference maker between, you know, what level you get to that ability. And there's no need to, there's no reason we can't start to develop those skills at a younger age. It doesn't have to be a lost art. Uh, tennis balls have come up in the last couple of shows as well. The reference to Sean Burke uh, a few episodes ago, and now with uh, Jonathan Bernier with the tennis ball machine is does anybody know? Do, does is he wearing gloves? Is he just catching these uh, from the tennis ball machine with with his bare hand, or, or or what goes into that? I I didn't ask Jonathan specifically, but uh, Marco and I have shared videos uh, over the years about him working with guys with the tennis ball machine. He is an absolute stickler for details on technique, uh, not just how you catch a ball, but the all the body mechanics that go into that catching and then how that will translate onto the ice. Hip position, feet position, uh, how the hands are, are moving towards the ball. And, uh, and so I have seen Marco work with guys barehanded. I have seen guys work with uh, Marco uh, barehanded, but actually having to sort of lobster catch the ball to make it a, a slightly... Now, this is not a tennis ball machine firing hard at them. Uh, this is more wall work with a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. So lobster, sort of two fingers and a thumb, uh, making sure that you're catching it as you would in the pocket of a glove. Uh, I have seen him working with uh, baseball gloves in the dressing room as he's firing balls in the dressing room across the room at guys um, just so that they can have that glove mechanic because we've seen other people talk about the importance of working with your glove um, so that you're seeing it right into the pocket. Which of course, your palm is not where the pocket is. Um, so I... I can certainly follow up to see what Jonathan's doing in his specific training. We had, we had a fun moment um, at Eli Wilson's camp one summer up in Kelowna when uh, Eli was firing balls at guys and they were wearing um, helmets, gloves, and uh, might have been protecting one other important area of their anatomy because these balls were coming hard, um, sort of 80, 90 miles an hour, um, between 70 and 90, depending on the age of the kid. And 
Carey Price walked into the room. He'd just been off for a bit of lunch and had a, had a little meeting. Walked into the room and he saw these guys do it. And he's, I'm, I'm not kidding you, he's carrying a shopping bag in one hand and a WHL goaltender had just been in there taking shots. And Carey said, oh, do you think I could try? And he walked into the net wearing nothing, carrying a shopping bag. One, one ball at WHL speed came at him. Boom, right into his hand. Hmm, that's fun. And he walked away. Bare hand. Barehanded, yeah. <laughs> it's just it was it was something out of a movie almost, just how calm and funny it was all at the same time. Like butter. Yeah. Like butter. A loaf of butter. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, the the tennis ball does add uh just a just a different element to it. There's a bit of a spring to it, so you gotta make sure that your timing's down pat, but uh it's also safe and you can do it uh with with a little bit more flexibility. It, I, I like this. Uh, we're kind of going back to our roots a little bit, Woody. Well, and it's funny because I think when when the the pause, the NHL pause first started, I think the, one of the videos that we saw from from an NHL guide that a lot of people thought was kind of funny and playful was Sergei Bobrovsky down in Florida with a tennis ball machine, and he's he's in his pads and he's using his glove and he's just catching these tennis balls. And I think most people thought, oh, that's kind of you know funny, haha. Like he's just having a little fun on social media. It's not a, a serious training tool and. Um, of course, we know different. Uh, this has become a bit of a training tool. Even Jake Allen. Now, his wasn't a tennis ball shooting machine. He gave me the name of it, and I'll have to look it up, and we'll get it up at ingolmag.com as well. Uh, but at the start of our pro reads, we were talking about the different things he's doing, and um, he was in Newfoundland, so he couldn't get a Peloton bike for his exercise. He had to buy a... a New Brunswick. New Brunswick, sorry. Um, boneheaded maneuver. Uh, but he couldn't get the Peloton bike delivered to the Atlantic. So he has basically a, a, an alternate version of the Peloton there, but he does have this, it's like a pitching machine. So it's, it's not tennis balls, but different balls. And he said he can actually shape like a pitch. You can like sliders and curve balls. And so you can change oh. and you have to actually track it as it moves a little bit differently. And so it, it adds another dynamic element, but it's, it's a lot more than just a social media gag for these guys uh, at a time when they can't get on the ice. You can use some of these tools to, you know, sort of simulate some of the mechanics that go into catching a puck, even if it's not an actual puck. Uh, an assignment for you guys as we uh, wrap up this one and uh, look forward to next week. Uh, over the course of the next few days, uh, let's check in with our sources, people around the game, and uh, just uh, gauge how much the time it's going to take for goaltenders to to resume their level of play. And uh, and if we go right back into it, what kind of challenges goaltenders are going to face if they only get uh, two weeks of ice time without any games or maybe uh, one or two games, which I doubt they'll get. But uh, that's the assignment, uh, the homework assignment uh, on the heels of uh, teeing up our, our webinar with Pete Fry, uh, the mind guy, or you kind of dress it up a little bit, uh, Hutch. Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy. So cool. And that's coming up on Saturday in goal, uh, mag.com uh, for our in goal premium subscribers. And if you can't participate on the, uh, the call itself, uh, then you can certainly log in and uh, get all the uh, information that we talk about uh, with Pete Fry, as well as uh, his students and uh, get an idea of all the, uh, the work that everybody's doing behind the scenes. Uh, Looking forward to to that. Uh, that's our best pitch. Uh, we hope we connected uh, with you. Uh, thanks to Jonathan Bernier. And uh, and uh, on a wing and a prayer, he has certainly flown high above uh, what the 
Detroit Red Wings have produced uh, this year. Really impressive stuff from Jonathan Bernier, and the attitude uh, is above and beyond that. In the next couple of days, we'll also have our mask contest winner. That's going to be fun from our special celebrity judges. Uh, thanks to Hutch, Woody, and Bernier. I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>